Proverbs 28, and verse number 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. What a simple verse, but what a difficult verse it can be. Tonight we're going to look at this. As often is the case in the book of Proverbs, they give you a good side and a bad side. And He gives you a choice. If you follow this way, you're going to receive these blessings from God. But if you refuse it and go your own way, this is what's going to happen in your life. So tonight, God has shown us through His Word in this verse, really the blessings that come along with keeping our sins confessed and going to the Lord and asking forgiveness and really repenting because we forsake our sins. But then on the flip side, we're going to see the person who covers their sins, hides their sins, the Bible says that you will not prosper. So let's say a word of prayer, and then I'll let you be seated after that. Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray tonight for this message, Lord, that it would not be my thoughts, and it would not be my words, but it would be your words, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that you would help these people to understand your word in a better way tonight. God, help anybody in this room struggling, Lord. Help, may you open their eyes to the truth. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So looking at this, the one that covers his sin is going to be the first aspect that we look at this. And this is going to be the majority of our message is looking at the one who covers his sin. So what does it mean to cover your sin? It means to clothe, to hide, to conceal, to cover something up. You know what it means to cover something up? That's a simple concept, right? A lot of that, there, There's different reasons that people cover things up. But here it's covering up to really to conceal and hide it from other people. And I think sometimes that we think that we can hide things from God, but the truth of the matter is, you cannot hide anything from God. So that will never be a cover-up that we can do. But we do cover up things for the appearance of other people as well. So the person who realizes they have sin, because it is sin here, it says sin, and they do nothing about it, they try to hide it, they try to conceal it, that is a person who, is, who it's talking about right here, about covering your sin. In, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, very familiar with Adam and Eve and their mistake in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says in Genesis 3.8, They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. Isn't that interesting? Right there we see them hiding from God. That's a cover-up. It's a natural instinct in us to cover things up in our life that we don't want exposed, that we don't want other people knowing about. So tonight, I'm going to look at some reasons why I believe people cover up their sins. Number one, one of the reasons why we try to cover our sins sometimes is for fear of punishment. I'm sure you remember being a kid, right? Some of you are kids. There were things that you did that you did not want your mom and dad to do, and one of the reasons was is because you knew if they found out, you were in trouble, right? We have that fear inside of us sometimes. Sometimes we don't want to be honest. I can remember a kid, the worst thing I ever did as a kid. I'll make a confession tonight. The worst thing I ever did as a kid, at least in my opinion. My mom might have a different opinion, but who knows. We like to play with, with fire. To this day, by the way, I still love to play with my fire. My wife yells at me sometimes because it gets out of hand. So 
my grandma always hid the matches. She didn't want us getting the matches, but we always could figure out where they were. You just look through the cupboards when she's not looking and you find them. So we found them and we had this tin where we put in a bunch of hay. It was one of those popcorn tins that you get at Christmas. You got all those different popcorns in there. And we put some hay and straw and we went into this old barn that we had out behind our house and we lit it on fire. It was a great idea. Light on fire, this tin of hay in an old barn that's like ready to burn down at any minute. So we accidentally tipped it over, right? So it's, it went fast, by the way. So fast you wouldn't even believe it. So the fire just starts spreading. We go and we get these little buckets and run up to the house and we start filling them up because we're going to cover this up. We're just going to put the fire out and everything's going to be okay. So we're running and we're trying to extinguish the fire. But every time we get that back down there, it's at least two times bigger. So finally, you know, flames are shooting out the barn door and windows and everything. And it's time to confess. It's time to confess. You know why I confessed at that time? I'm going to be honest. There was no other way around it. It's going to be pretty obvious that the barn's on fire, right? <laughs> I confessed because there was no other option for me. But at very first when we tipped it over and we're trying to handle it ourselves and take care of it, we don't want to say anything because obviously this is a big deal. By the way, now that I'm older, I think I did them a favor because that barn was an eyesore. So... <laughs> My mom should be thanking me for that. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway, as a kid, we fear punishment sometimes. But the same thing is true in, a, in an adult's life. Sometimes we fear punishment, so we don't want to make things right. But I want to tell you, especially those of you who have young children in here, from this verse tonight, you ought to teach your children to always confess, always own up to the wrong that they have in their life, and to make things right. Because the Bible tells us that we should make things right. You know what the person who covers things up is doing? He is avoiding making anything right in his life, and he's trying to hide it and sweep it under the rug and hope that everything is going to go okay. But what did God say is going to be? You will not prosper. You will not prosper. And if we do it in the small things in life, if we try to hide the small things in life, then one day if something bigger comes, what are you going to do? You're going to hide it. Be an honest person. Be a person who is willing to not hide behind a mask and try to pretend you're someone you're not, but be honest. And one of the things that covering up sins will do is it will keep people from getting right with God and right with others. And that's exactly where the devil wants you to be tonight, by the way. He wants you to cover it up because he knows you're just going to keep on going and you're not going to make it right and God's not going to bless your life. But then secondly, sometimes we fear what other people are going to think, don't we? Now, I think this one hits home a little bit more. Obviously, the punishment one, I think, is there. But I think the fear of what others are going to think enters into the life of many believers. And this right here is how a hypocrite is formed. Because we have things in our life that we know are wrong, and instead of making them right, we just continue on, we cover it up, and then we come in here to church and we pretend like everything's okay, but really our life is falling apart. God's not going to bless that. God's not going to honor that. That's pride in a person's life, isn't it? It's pride that makes me say, I don't want to get things right. It's pride that makes me want to cover it up so nobody else can see who I really am. 
If we're not careful, we can let just our religious obligations of coming to church and, and singing songs and opening our Bibles, we can make it vain, empty. We're just coming to church putting on a show. It's not real. A hypocrite, it's like an actor. He, he's a stage actor. He's pretending to be something he's really not. We pretend to come in here and act like it's fine, but God knows and we know that something inside of our heart is not right. This can happen to any one of us. This, this to me, is what makes religious tasteless to a lot of people. And I'll tell you why. Because they come into church, not, it's not real in their heart. They're just coming to put on a show. They're not really getting anything out of it. God's not really working in their heart and life. They come into church and they're bored out of their mind. Their walk with God means nothing to them. They can't even find time to get in the Bible. It's because your relationship with God is marred. You need to confess your sins. You need to get those out of your life. And God's going to start working. And God's going to bless. And some of you in this room, you know that. Some of you, you have a vibrant walk with God and it's real to you. But there may be some of you that he's not real to you tonight. You might be sitting here thinking, man, I can't wait till this is over. What am I going to eat when I get out of here? What am I going to do when I get out of here? You know, we ought to be saying, God, what do you have for me tonight? I'm excited about hearing what you have. Not because I'm anything, because I'm not a good preacher. But God's word is good, isn't it? God's word is good. I read on the internet the other day, this guy was commenting on this proverb, and he, and he said, it seems a common practice today for Christians to, to try to cover their sins. You will find in the average church that there is a band-aid of silence wrapped over the cancer of sin. People don't like to talk about it. In fact, they don't admit it exists. They like to think they are very good. Sometimes we do like to think we're good, don't we? But I tell you what, we need God, all of us. And let's be honest. Let's be honest, people. When we come to church, let's be honest. Every one of us in this room tonight, whether, whether you've trusted in Christ or not, we all have things in our life that we struggle with. You say, well, I'm a Christian. Good, I'm glad. But that doesn't mean that we don't struggle. That doesn't mean that we don't have problems in our life. What, I, what tonight I, I want to really focus in on is always getting things right with God and getting them right quickly and with others. Go to Galatians chapter 6 with me. Galatians chapter 6. This is Paul writing to this church at Galatia. Galatians 6 and verse number 1. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. This is a good verse right here. It's good for us, good for us to learn and practice in our lives. So first here he says, brethren, the, the believers, the Christians here at this church, if a man be overtaken in a fault, overtaken, something come, he, he stumbles at something, at a fault, that, that's a sin, a trespass, he deviated from the truth. If a man is overtaken, if something comes on him and he falls and he stumbles, what are we supposed to do? Well, the Bible says, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. That word restore, you know what that means? It means to mend what has been broken. To fix it. But he didn't just tell us to fix it. He said, do it in meekness, with humility, with kindness. Why? Considering yourself 
lest the same thing happens to you. This, this is how the New Testament church ought to act. We ought to help other people. People fall. And I'll tell you tonight, if it's not for God's grace and God working in my life, and if I could fall. Any one of us could fall. But what does the Bible say when a person falls? What should we do? We should help other people, shouldn't we? I love how he says, ye which are spiritual. Because to me, he didn't say, you got to find the pastor of that church, and he's the man you get. No, he said, the ones that are spiritual in the congregation, you should help out other brothers and sisters in Christ. Who should be spiritual? All of us who have trusted in Christ as our Savior, right? You say, well, I'm not spiritual. And I understand, but don't you want to be? Don't you want to help other people? Don't, that, that is how God's church should always function. By the way, if somebody comes to you in the church and they ask you for help and prayer and they trust you and you're one of their friends, to me, one of the worst things you can do is open your mouth and go be a tailbearer and bring that to everybody else. That doesn't help anybody. That doesn't help the church. We all fail. We all make mistakes. There is not perfection in any one of us in this room tonight. But what, 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 how should we live our lives? We should constantly be getting things right with God and with others. Don't let the fear of what others think tonight hinder you from getting right with God. Don't cover up your sins. Don't put on a show. It's not worth it. David, to me, one of the greatest cover-up stories in the Bible was King David. When he made that mistake with Bathsheba, and he committed that affair with her. In my mind, I think David would, if that would have happened and it would have stopped there, David probably wouldn't have, uh, I mean, God would have worked with him over time, but I think David was satisfied thinking nobody really knows what happened. I made this mistake. But then she sent word and said, I'm with child. And then what's he going to do? What should David have done the moment that he got this message about her being with child? He should have got it right, shouldn't he have? You know what he did? He covered it up. Covering up your sin never makes it better. Never makes it better. So here's Uriah. He calls Uriah out from the battlefield, and he tries to have him go into his wife that night, and so that people could think that that was Uriah's child. That didn't work. Uriah didn't. He stayed with his men. He was a man of integrity. So he called him in and said, Hey, why didn't you go, go home and see your wife? And then he got him drunk, hoping he would still do the same thing. Guess what? Uriah didn't go. See, David, he's just covering more and more of his tracks, isn't he? So what does he do next? He says, put Uriah out on the front line in, this, in the heat of battle, and then retreat and let him die. And they did. Really sad story. And David continued on living like nothing happened. He didn't make it right, did he? I mean, God is merciful, God is good, and God sends Nathan the prophet. You see, David, he wasn't making it right still. Because he just married Bathsheba, and then he thought, everything is covered. My grounds are covered, I'm fine. I've covered my sins, no one's going to know. But guess who knew? God knew, didn't he? And Nathan came and he said, God knows what you've done. You're guilty. You're guilty. And then in Psalm Chapter 52, and we've read this psalm many times. I've heard this psalm preached and read it. I'm sorry, 51, not 52. 
David asked for God's mercy in verse number 1. Have mercy upon me. And then in verse 3, he said, I acknowledge my transgressions. Finally, what did David finally do? I acknowledge my transgressions. That's, that's him finally admitting, God, I've made a mistake. And then he asked God for his mercy to purge him, to clean him. To hide his face from his sins. To create a clean heart within him. He went to God for cleansing and for healing. He asked for God to heal the bones that were broken. Do you think that if you read this psalm that David was living a life of joy and peace and things were going great? I would love to know what was going on in the heart and mind of David during this time that he wasn't right with God. But he tells us a little bit here. God, can you please cleanse me and heal me? And God, I need you. And what happened? Did God have mercy on him? He sure did. And right here in this Bible verse that we read, Proverbs chapter 28, if we, if we confess and forsake our sins, the Bible says that God will have mercy on us. We're going to have mercy. So, first we looked at the fear of punishment. Second, the fear of what others think. And then thirdly, tonight, the fear of full surrender to God. And I think this is a real thing. And I'll explain it. It might sound crazy right now. But I believe there are people that are, are afraid of giving everything to God. And I'll tell you why I think we should. Because if we have sin in our life, what are we supposed to do with it? Confess it? And then what? Forsake it. That's surrendering to God's will and saying, God, I've been wrong. And now I want to obey you. I'm going to surrender to your will. But that is a fearful thing sometimes to a person who is holding on to their sins. Who's been covering up their sins this entire time. This is for the person who has one foot in the church house and then one foot in the world. They can't decide what they want to do. They can't decide, do I want to fully commit to God or do I want to hold on to my sins? But let me tell you, you cannot have both. It's impossible. The Bible tells us that. You cannot hold on to both. You can't have the things in this world and then have a life completely surrendered to the Lord's will. It's impossible. But some people tonight, they're afraid. They're afraid of what God would want if they really let God have His way in their life. Sometimes God speaks to our hearts and He shows us where we're wrong and He wants us to remove something. And sometimes we hold back because, God, I'm not ready to give that up yet. God, I know you want me to surrender in this area of my life, but I'm not willing to give that up yet. And I'm, I, Obviously, I can't preach on everything and every area of our life, but here, here's the beauty of walking with God. As we have a relationship with the Lord, He speaks to us individually and as a family. And God directs you. Some people in here, they, they, they felt like God said... I. I, I never want to watch another TV show again. I never want to watch another movie again. And God has led them to that place. And that's a wonderful place for them, isn't it? And if God led you there, would you obey Him? Maybe you have something in your life that's not necessarily considered sinful, but it's a hobby that takes up your time. And you don't spend time with God. What if God came to you tonight and said, I'm going to touch this area of your life tonight. Are you willing to confess that and forsake that? Say, wow, did, would God really want that? He may. God works in our lives. Why don't we let God have His will? Because sometimes we don't want to give Him all the stuff that we have, do we? Jacob, he, uh, he promised God that he would go back to Bethel, but he hung out 
in a different place for a while. He kind of got distracted. He told God, if you bless me and you bless my family and you watch over me, I'm going to come back here to Bethel. And he wasn't coming back to Bethel. He wasn't really getting back to that place. But God called him back and said, I want you to return. And you know what happened when, da- when, when uh, Jacob returned? He told his family, all right, it's time to clean house. I want you to take your idols and we're going to get rid of them. I want you to change your garments. We're going to get rid of all the things that have cluttered our lives and we're going back to Bethel. And I think that is a picture in the scriptures of making things right with God. We've been in an area where we shouldn't have been for so long. And God says it's time to clean up and come to me. And the, and the wonderful thing is God is merciful. That's, that's a wonderful thing that God is so merciful. Is there anything in your life tonight that God would ask you to give up? That you're not willing to give up? You ought to be honest. Is there something God wants from you that you are not willing to give Him? We ought to pray to God, God, give me a heart that wants to serve you and you alone. This world, it, it, it has the tendency to attach to us. We ought to be Christians. Christians were Christ-like people, not people who are like the world. Notice in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen, He said that if you cover your sins, you will not prosper. Now, our definition of prosper and God's definition sometimes don't always match. Because if I have enough money in my bank account, if I have a nice house, if I have nice cars, then a person in the world would look at me and say, man, that guy's a prosperous guy, isn't he? But that's not always how God measures prosperity. And and I'll tell you why I know that. Because the Bible says that Joseph, remember when he got sold as a slave and he went down to the house of Potiphar? As a slave, you know what the Bible says? That God made everything he did to prosper. And then what happened to him? He got thrown in prison for a false accusation. Is he going to prosper anymore? Oh, God must be done with him, right? No, in the prison, the Bible says God made him prosper. Now, we don't exactly understand all that God was doing, but we do know this, that whatever Joseph was doing, God was causing him to prosper. We could look at the end of his life and say, man, God exalted him and God brought him to this place. He really did make him prosper. But long before that, God was causing him to prosper. God was causing him to prosper. And it it was probably spiritually and probably the work of his hands that he was doing. And as people saw him, they said, there's a difference in that man. Everything he does, God is blessing. People could see it. They noticed it. God can prosper you in ways that you'll never even understand until you surrender to Him. And I'm not going to stand here tonight and tell you if you, if, if you give God what He wants, then every one of your needs, like as far as I want all this awesome stuff, God doesn't work that way. He will meet your needs as far as what you actually physically need. But that, and He may bless you. He may give you a mansion and some swimming pools and some nice cars. But that's not, that's not a promise in the Bible. God wants to prosper us more than anything spiritually. It's so easy to get our eyes off what's really important and to start looking at this world. But I tell you what, when, it, when we get to eternity, the things that we thought were so important, they're not going to matter anymore. They're not going to matter. God wants to work in our life, and if we are afraid of surrendering, then we're not going to make things right with the Lord. And then also the fear of the cost. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you are a person who's always going to make things right, it's going to cost you something. 
Sometimes it's going to be painful. Sometimes it's not going to be easy. Sometimes it's not going to be the easiest decision to make. But it's always going to be the best decision to make. Turn with me to the book of Acts chapter number 19. Acts chapter 19. This is here, here in Acts chapter 19. We're going to see this uh, really the starting point at Ephesus as Paul is preaching to these people. God is, good, God is doing miracles through Paul, things that we've never seen, and he's working these miracles through the hands of Paul. And then in verse, in verse 13, there's these Jews who want to perform this exorcist. You know, when I read this story, I mean, it's a sad story, but sometimes it kind of makes me laugh a little, only because these guys are trying to cast out this evil spirit in verse number 15. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are ye? That to me is a I mean, it's interesting. This, this evil spirit says to him, I know who Jesus is and I know who Paul is, but, but who are you guys coming to me? And then he, he jumped, the evil spirit jumps on them, and they run out of the house wounded and naked, the Bible says. And then in verse 17, look at this. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks, also dwelling at Ephesus. These things that were going on, it was known to them. And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. By the way, that's what it takes to bring people to Christ. That's exalting Jesus. The name of Jesus was magnified. 18, and many that believed came and, look at this word, confessed and showed their deeds. So these people, these believers, they came and they confessed the things that were in their life that were not right. And then look at 19, many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So here's this great work going on. By the way, I, as I was preparing for this, I looked up what, this, uh, what the price in our day and age would be. And just to kind of get off on a rabbit trail, we were having preacher's classes. And in our preacher's class, what we did is we would evaluate each other's sermons and tell you what you did good or bad. I'll tell you two people who do really good at telling you how bad you do. That is Brother Justin Hogue right over here and Brother Jedediah Smith. If you need somebody to criticize you, you go to these two guys and they can help you out. <laughs> so on one of my, on one of my Sunday school lessons, uh, Brother Jedediah, he critiqued mine. And I read something off the Internet and when I made the statement, I got this off the internet, I said, I don't really know if this is 100% accurate, but this is what I read. So he got on, you know, he criticized me. Well, Jason, you shouldn't say it if you don't know it's accurate. So, Brother Jed and I, if you listen to this message, I'm going to do this one more time. You can criticize me later. But I looked this up on Google, so I can't tell you that this is for sure. <laughs> but the price of this, this... 50,000 pieces, what I saw is approximately $5.5 million in our current state that we're in. That's a lot of money. Either way, it was a lot of money. 
It cost these people something, didn't it? To confess their sins. But let me ask you a question. Do you see anywhere where these guys were turning back and saying, man, I'm regretting this. You know what the devil tells you? That the cost is going to be too great. It's going to be too great. If you, if, you, if you come before people and you acknowledge your sin and you're ready to forsake it and give it up, the cost is going to be too much to give it up. But I want to tell you tonight, the cost is even greater to hold on to it. It's going to cost you in the end. And that cost is going to be great. In verse number 20, the Bible says, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. You know what was happening because of these people getting right with God? His word was prevailing. Is God's word prevailing in your life tonight? Are you kind of dead as a Christian? Kind of not growing at all? Get right with God. Get right with others. Sometimes God calls us to confess our sins even before the church. And that's a calling that would be you personal. If you've been living a lie and God ever spoke to your heart and said, I want you to tell the church this is what you've been doing and you needing to make it right, would you be willing to do that tonight? It's going to cost something. It's going to cost your pride for sure. Some people, there's things going on within their family life and they think, man, if I come clean and I tell the truth and I tell who I really am, I'm going to lose it all. And I can't promise you that things won't happen. But I can tell you this. God's not going to bless you if you keep covering it up. He won't. He will not bless you if you keep, continue to cover it. This is what we need in our church. We need people who are, who, who, who the, when the Spirit of God speaks to us, we're honest enough to say, God, this has been in my life and I'm ready to remove it. Sometimes it takes going to other people. It doesn't always have to be right in front of this church before everybody. Maybe it's just individually with your, with your wife or maybe with the pastor or maybe with someone that you've wronged. But I tell you what, it is always more beneficial for you to confess your sins and forsake them, to deal with them. Some people don't want to deal with them. There may be some people in this room tonight, you don't want to deal with your sins. But I encourage you, make it right. Make it right. The cost may be great, but let's obey God and His Word. So we looked at these four things that we fear, and then lastly, we'll look at uh, the last half of the verse that talks about confess and forsake your sins. There is mercy with the Lord. He promises mercy. But if we hold on to our sins and we ignore what's really going on in our lives, He's not going to bless that. Don't hold on to your sins. It's, po it's poison in your life. It's poison in your family. And you don't even realize it. That's the nature of sin. It's so deceptive. It seems like everything's going fine in your life. And even when God speaks to us, we sometimes ignore Him and think, wow, everything's still going fine. But that is deceptive. Because if you don't get it right, it's going to cost you later. It will cost you. And there are people who know that. I think we all know that, technically, if we were honest. All of us who have lived long enough, I'm sure there's been mistakes that we've held on to and kind of ignored, and they ended up costing us, didn't they? The good news is God is ready to have mercy. So what, what's the answer? How do we get the mercy of God? You confess and forsake your sins. 
See, it's not enough just for me to say I'm wrong. If that was the case, then that, it would have stopped right there to confess. You have to make it right, don't you? You have to remove what God wants out that has been wrong in your life. Yes, I can confess it, but if it's a false and empty confession, it does me no good. Because you have to confess and forsake what is in your life. God is ready tonight to have mercy on you. God is ready to work in your life and your family, and He's ready to have mercy. I want to look at one more passage of Scripture in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Second Chronicles chapter 33. We'll start reading in verse number 9. These first eight verses, they talk about this king named uh, Manasseh. And he was not a good king. He did evil on the side of the Lord. And he walked after false gods and idols and all these things. He reestablished these, these altars that were broken down and built them back up to worship the hosts of heaven and all these, these false gods. And in verse number 9, So Manasseh made Judah and, it, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to err and to do worse than the heathen whom the Lord had destroyed before the children of Israel. So if you need an idea of how bad things were going, the Bible says it was actually worse then it was going with the heathen nation that was in there before they were there. So they were going even further off into error. And then verse number 10, And the Lord spake to Manasseh. Thank God he speaks, right? He spoke to him and to his people. But they would not hearken. So God is speaking just like he did a lot of times in the Old Testament that we can see. And they refused and rejected God. Verse 11, wherefore, because they rejected his message, because they were continuing in their sin, the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. So now he's taken captive. Now he's in a bad place. Verse 12, when he was, afflict, when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. And humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. So right here, the, he, he's taken captive, he's imprisoned, he's afflicted. Sometimes it's good, by the way, that troubles come into our lives so we look to God. Troubles aren't always bad. Troubles sometimes bring us to the place that we need to be. Nobody enjoys troubles. But sometimes God uses these afflictions to draw us back to him. So we see Manasseh, he's humbling himself and he's going to cry out to God. What do you think God's going to do? You think God's going to turn away from him and say, no way? Let me show you what God does. Verse number 13. So he humbled himself and prayed unto him, prayed unto God. And he was entreated of him and heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the, that the Lord, he was God. So right here, God not only hears his prayer, but he answers his prayer. God has mercy on this man. This man who had caused Judah to sin worse than the heathen nations around him. The devil also lies and he tells you God will never allow you to come back to him. But I want to tell you tonight, no matter where you've been, 
God has mercy on those that confess and forsake their sins. You know what Manasseh did? We're not going to read the rest of it. But he tore down these, these places of worship and he removed them and he said, all right, I'm done. I don't want this anymore. He didn't just confess his sins. When he got back, the Bible says he got rid of them. He got it out of his life. Tonight you may feel like I've went too far. No one's going to no one's going to understand. No one's no one's going to understand where I've been. I want to tell you tonight, God will have mercy on you. But you have to come to him. You have to admit where you've been. And we as a church, we ought to encourage people. And even ourselves. Let's be let's be people of integrity. Let's be honest. Let's not let's not play church. Let's be real and sincere and true Christians. If there's things inside of your life tonight, make them right. I wouldn't leave this building tonight if God put His finger on your heart and told you to make something right. I wouldn't leave this building tonight without doing that. Because God is ready to have mercy. He's ready. He's good, isn't He? We're not good. I'm not good. None of us are. But the wonderful news is to the person who confesses and forsakes his sin, the Bible says God will have mercy on us. He's going he's gonna to obtain mercy. No matter how difficult it is. Young people, if there's, if there's something in your life between you and your parents tonight, you ought to get it right. Tonight. Husbands, wives, if there's something in between you two tonight, make it right. Confess it. Church members, if there's something that has gone on in your life and you feel God leading you, wouldn't it be wonderful if people just... And listen, I know some people... I know sometimes people do look down and, they, and they're judgmental, but in the church we shouldn't be that way. But if somebody came up and said, listen, I've been doing this in my life and, and God's working in me and I, with God's grace I want His help, that would be a wonderful thing for people to get right with God. That's how revival starts. We're never going to have a revival if we just pretend that sin doesn't exist in our lives. It does exist. So as a rule, teach your children to make things right, right away. I, I want my kids to know that they, can, they need to come to me anytime something happens and to make it right immediately. I can tell sometimes when things happen and, and it's not right and, and something's bothering them. It's, it shows all over them. We, should, we, don't, we don't need to carry that guilt. We don't need to carry that, that burden. We ought to go and, and make things right and ask for God's help. And God will bless. God will bless. I want to see God bless in our church and in and, and our nation, really, but even in our community. What if this church got on fire for God and made things right with a relationship with the Lord? What kind of impact could we have? The Lord Jesus Christ, He's coming back. We ought to do everything we can now to serve Him. One day we'll serve Him in, in His kingdom, but it's not going to be the same because we're not going to have the opportunity to, to help the lost, to bring them to Jesus. You have that opportunity today. But we can't really make things right and, and bring other people to God if, if there are things cluttering our life tonight. So my, my encouragement to you is make things right right away. Don't, don't hold on to it. Don't keep going with it. Go to God for mercy and see what He can do in your life. 